very hard on, on fitness and um, and the running game. That's what kind of led me to, to want this dream of being a, a racing driver. There's no point in time in anything except standards of excellence. We will deal with the Talton Cup if we're in it and we'll, we'll certainly give it every bit of respect. There's no feeling that beats playing for Ireland. My God, I'm going to do everything that is possible to bring us there. This is Sports Beat Extra. On this week's show, we speak to returning Wexford Youth's football star Rihanna Jarrett on her historic successes in the club and what she's looking forward to this season. We'll also be taking a look at the beginning of the Six Nations tournament as well as the latest in motorsport and boxing news. I'm Jolene Murphy in for Sean Connolly this week. You're very welcome to Sportsbeat Extra. Sportsbeat Extra. Beats 102-103. Kicking off this week's show, we're looking at the Six Nations. I'm joined in studio at Waterford-based sports broadcaster Nigel Kelly. Good evening, Nigel. How are you? I'm good, Jolene. How are you? Good. Are you excited for the start of the Six Nations? I think you have to be. Uh, Six Nations is a tournament that seems to have held the allure year in, year out. And it kind of exists at a time of the year where, you know, the, the league hurling and camogie and ladies football is just kind of getting going. We're at the early stages where, you know, you wanted to call it pre-season stuff, you kind of could. And this is proper high-end competitive, you know, trophies at stake yeah. early on. So it does have its own bit of real estate at this time of the year. So it does draw the non-sports fans, the non-rugby fans. Yeah. So today marks the first day of the much-anticipated 2023 campaign. How were Ireland looking going into this tournament and what kind of chance do we have this year? Well, like, they couldn't look better in so many ways coming off what they had last year. Um, a successful tour in New Zealand. They come into the Six Nations as the number one team in the world. Second time they've done that in their history. Uh, the last time Ireland were number one team in the world didn't go too well for them. They went to a World Cup and got pasted, uh, unfortunately. But they're looking very good. They are humming in a lot of ways because they are the number one team. And that was, it was deserved as well. And look, people will say that France are in reality the number one team in the world. But the numbers don't lie. It's a long running system to to get these world rankings points and uh, Andy Farrell has to be commended for what he's done with the Irish team was stepping into the breach after Joe Schmidt's departure and in the early days you know there was nerves and there was tension mm-hmm. is this really working with Andy Farrell or not and a lot of people made the argument it's not grand you're entitled to that argument but some people who wanted to you know keep the faith and leave time pass it's worked it has paid off we have a really really effective team um, that are able to mix it with the best teams in the world and that's not just in the case of playing our game and our game only like we're at a stage now where the biggest problem we always had in the last five or six years was taking on the big physical sides. Mm-hmm. And now we've shown that we have the tools and the capabilities to actually take on the big physical, you know, marauders that we have with the likes of France and South Africa and that. Which is another reason why it's exciting for people who might not have an interest in sport to take mm-hmm. a look at this because it's a team that's so strong that are doing so well. Yeah. So let's take a look. Starting with the starting 15, they're notably missing Wexford's Tyke Furlong this week for their opener with Wales who has proven time and time again his wealth in the team and just how strong he is. He's out due to injury, hamstring, ankle, calf complaints. Mm-hmm. How much will the team miss Tyke as tight head? Well, I think over the course of the campaign, he's going to be hugely missed um, purely because he's the best of what he does in the world. Um, as as a tight head prop, there is no one better than Tyke Furlong and that's been well established over the last number of years. Um, he is worth his weight in gold. That team uh, is a player who contributes across the park, whether it be in set piece, in open play and even slotting into the line as first receiver at times, which is a real anomaly for a... <laughs> he can move around. He can, but for a forward player to do it, impressive. For a tight head prop to do it, it's kind of unhuman stuff to be told. Totally Unheard honest. of. Yeah, it is. He's a really, really special player. Um, so he is going to be missed. But at the same time, look, he has an injury. Uh, well, a couple of injuries that have stacked up. 
interesting to see does he make it back in for the second round of games mm-hmm. or the third round if he doesn't if he's missed for the Six Nations entirely and he's back fit afterwards that's not the worst thing in the world like as if Ireland can perform and learn how to play without the likes of Tyg Furlong or Johnny Sexton if he used to become injured or say the likes of Josh van der Fleer has become so important to us if you can learn to play the game and win games without your big box office players that's better for your squad on a whole and especially in a year where a World Cup and you have to think about it Jolene mm-hmm. when you look at this Six Nations happens every four years when the World Cup is coming it colours the Six Nations entirely you do see a little bit of shadow boxing coming from out from the other the other five countries some can do it better than us England can kind of suffer a few games they have the funds we don't we got to go win games but to go without Tyke Farlong and his likes it's not the worst thing in the world in some ways. And they have to learn how to play without him and not rely on him as well. So course, yeah. what or who are our biggest competitions then going into the start of the Six Nations? Who are we looking to that are going to throw us a curveball maybe even? France. It has to be France really because as I said at the start, look, we're the number one team in the world but a lot of people might think it's actually France in reality. They haven't got the number beside their name but France are that good of a team. Um, their journey over the last number of years has been absolutely spectacular to see the the mess that they were and just the the likelihood that they were going to implode at any minute they're now a well-oiled machine and the growth that they've had is is quite impressive it, it is but it's the professionalization of them and and just even just giving them a bit of cop on maybe to be, to be quite blunt about it like to France were going into tournaments getting rid of their manager the week of and players ruling the roost and deciding what was to happen now they seem like a well-oiled machine they know what they're going to do they have some of the most talented players in their positions in the world they are definitely the biggest threat to us. I think the Six Nations this year is going to be won by Ireland or France. You think I have to take a pinch of salt. Yeah. yeah. For for Wales and England this mm-hmm. year, mm, hard to know. Warren Gatlin back with Wales, Steve Borthwick starting with England, new coaches essentially getting to grips with their teams. So us and France, I think. Will you be the sort now to watch every match or just the Ireland matches? Oh no, I'd I'd watch it. I'd I'd miss the odd game with Italy if, <laughs> if Scotland are playing Italy I might give it a miss but other than that I'd watch most of you'd watch most of them right so yeah. moving on swiftly we're going to turn our attention away from the Six Nations but we're sticking with rugby the IRFU has unanimously this week approved a proposal mm-hmm. to achieve 40% female representation on the committee now as it stands only three of the 23 committee members are women what impact will a move like this for Rugby Ireland have? I think it can only be a positive because if you look at the community game, so if it, look, taking the top tier and what this is going to be implemented at, okay, we want to have a 40% to 60% balance, female to male, when it comes to the IRFU and, and, and the top level of the game. If you look at the community game, go to your clubs in and around the counties and in and around the, the, the provinces, that 40% is probably more closely mimicked to the people who are volunteering in clubs. Mm-hmm. There's mams and dads, there's aunts and uncles, their sisters and the like, and they're all volunteering clubs. So that number is probably closer at here to, to the game. And then when you come to the top level, it's not replicated at, at the highest level of it. So you're kind of bringing the top level more in line with what you have day to day, club by club. Um, it can only improve because, it, look, I don't need to tell you in some ways, you know, women have been held out of sport for, for too many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you have your games and we have ours. Those days have come to an end and are and and if it is still pervasive or allowed to happen, that is being forced to a close. And sometimes, yeah, you've got to force it to happen. People won't do it of their own free will because they're used to having what they have. It will help uh, Irish rugby on the whole. Um, and it also comes at a time when earlier, uh, sorry, we're, we're in 2023 now, so it was last year, you saw professional contracts being offered to the Irish mm-hmm. women's players. Now, there was an issue over that in terms of the monetary value of those contracts and whether it was feasible for me to leave my employment and become a professional rugby player and earn less than what I did from my job. 
but the effort is there is being made. They, they are moving towards it. To have that representation at the highest level and in the decision making of the union mm-hmm. can only be a good thing. It's a stepping stone to where full representation need to take to get there. Now, we're going to hear from what IRFU's World Rugby Rep Sue Carty had to say about the move. This opens up the opportunity and makes it really clear that we want more women involved in the decision-making side, in the running of the game, like in those decision-making committee rooms, as well as being out and on the pitch. And you said it there yourself, Nigel, it's a part of being on the table as well, that it's not just going to be run by, it's not that it's, they're not doing their job, but it's to see it from the perspective. Again, they have voted unanimously in favour of the move, which they hope to achieve by the end of the year. The recommendation will be pushed to the annual council meeting in July. Nigel Kelly, Waterford Bay sports broadcaster, thank you for joining us. Tracking sport across the southeast. Sports Beat Extra. We're joined now by Rihanna Jarrett, returning to Wexford Hughes this week. Big news. Rihanna, you're welcome to Sports Beat Extra. You're excited to be back, are you? Yeah, I'm absolutely over the moon to be to be back home and, and back to my old club. And I'm looking forward to getting the season started in a couple of weeks. You have been there before. So tell us about your first spell there. Lots of achievements when you're there first. So yeah, I think I first joined Wexford Utes when I was 17, I think back in 2011. So a lifetime ago now at this stage. Um, it was the first season that the Women's National League had been formed in Ireland and before that we were all kind of just playing with our, our local clubs and, and local representative teams and it was just a, a great experience from day dot really. Um, I think the first couple of years it took us a while to get settled and to get used to that level and I think from there we we just grew from, from strength to strength. We we were set up brilliantly initially by, by John Flood and Lizzie Kent and, and then Will Doyle came in and kind of the success kind of started in John and Lizzie's final year, um, we won the League Cup at the time. That was our first trophy after, I think it was three years, and that was 2014. And then from there, we kind of went on to be one of the top three teams in the, in, in the country um, between ourselves, P-Mount, United, and, and now Shelburne as well. You've come back with a sensational record of 99 goals in 108 <laughs> appearances. That's astounding, Rihanna. Yeah, I was I was very fortunate enough that um, kind of in my my years with Wexford, I was able to get on the score sheet quite a lot, and there was a number of us. And I suppose it was playing with the likes of Kylie Murphy, Adele Kennedy, that are still there. You've got Kira Rossiter is still there, Lolly Conlon, Lauren Dwyer. So they're players that have been there from from day dot, and and that are still there to to this day. And I suppose there's been some great players that have passed through and then worn a Wexford huge jersey over the year that have kind of brought to that success and, and now there's some, some great young players coming through um, I think the biggest sign-in for me of the season would have to be Emily Corbett who played at loan last year um, she's only 19 I think um, her first year in the Women's National League and she won Player of the Year scoring 20 goals for, for at loan in the league as well so it was great that, that Wexford could get her in and I'm actually really looking forward to playing alongside her this season and before your departure from Wexford Youths, you also won Player of the Year in 2018 and 2019, not too long ago. Yeah, no, so that was my um, my final two years for Wexford and, and arguably my best two seasons in, in the Wexford Youths jersey. Um, I was very fortunate enough that in, in 2018 we'd done the league and, and cup double um, and being able to get Player of the Year that year was crowned off a great season and then in 2019, we, we missed out on the league, so it was a little bit disappointing. Um, but in my actual final game for Wexford at the time, we managed to, to win the cup final in the Aviva against Piedmont. So that was a great game at the time. It was great to get the win and kind of didn't realise at that point that that would be my, my last Wexford game at that time. Um, I was fortunate enough then, the end of January um, 2020, to, 
to sign my first professional contract with Brighton and kind of went on from there. You sound so proud when you talk about your first spell. Like I said, you have achieved so much in that short space of time. Take us on to your departure then. What led you to the move and how has that been for you since you came back? So, yeah, um, I kind of looked to see if there if there was any opportunities. As I said, I'd had my best year in the Wexford Youth Jersey in 2018 and 2019 and it was kind of halfway through the 2019 season that I kind of linked in with Louise Quinn with the Irish team when we were away on camp one day and kind of asked her about how she managed to get a move abroad and what that looked like. And thankfully, she was able to set me up with her agent at the time. And I had a, I had a chat with her agent kind of in the September and we were like, look, we'll look and see what we can put together and see if we can get any opportunities and finished the season quite strong with Wexford and said we were unlucky not to win the league. But for me personally, I, I finished top goal scorer that year. So I, I think I, I finished really strong and was fortunate enough then to get an opportunity to go over to Brighton um, and they offered me a full-time contract at the time and for me it was something that that I couldn't turn down it, it was something that I had thought about for a number of years I'd been kind of unlucky with injuries um, for a number of years and I was finally flying fit playing well and, and it was something that I couldn't turn down and it was a great opportunity um, I managed to play with Brighton for 18 months and from there then I, I signed with London City Lionesses where where I played for 18 months but unfortunately I was out injured for the last 12 months and, and that's brought me on to my decision to, to return home to Ireland and hopefully build up minutes um, get some, some good game time in the next couple of months and, and kind of build that fitness. Aside from the injury, do you think the spell away helped where you stand now not just your fitness level but apart in your career that it's a great starting point for what's to come? Yeah, I think obviously going into full-time football was great. It was great to see the insights and, and to what it entailed. And, and for me, I think not only have I grown as a player, but more importantly as a person, I think there's a lot of experiences there dealing with different players, different managers, kind of different challenges in, in professional football that you wouldn't face um, kind of playing just at home in Ireland. And, and hopefully they'll stand to me. And, and as I said, the next couple of months is, is about me kind of recovering from that, those, those injuries that I've had in the last 12 months and kind of building and, and just getting back to, I suppose, the Rihanna that was before, before I left Ireland. Thanks, Rihanna. And like you said, we're starting the WNL season in the next couple of weeks. What are you looking forward to most about the start of the season? I think if, if you look at the, the Women's National League the last two years, uh, it was kind of like a nail-biting end to the season. It kind of went down to the, the final day. Um, um, on a number of occasions, as I said, and I think that that excitement going into this season is amazing. Um, you've got a number of teams, not just the top three anymore. You've got Atlone that pushed it down to the wire um, last season. You've got Shamrock Rovers that have come, come in as well. So I think there's going to be a, a lot of challenge, a, a lot of great games, and I think even the kind of middle table teams have all strengthened. There's been a lot of movement around the league kind of in the off-season. Um, so obviously excited to see how everyone goes, but I'm just looking forward to getting back on the pitch with Wexford of many fond memories of playing in Ferry Carrig and Ireland and I'm looking forward to pick that up again and as you said I'm, I, I finished on 99 goals I know Eddie Cullen um, hasn't let me live it down since the day I left so hopefully I can get that, that 100 goal um, early on and, and kind of push on from there <laughs> Well I know that Wexford youths are delighted to have you back Rihanna as are we to Ferry Carrig Park we'll be keeping a close eye on the new Women's National League season which kicks off next month Rihanna Jarrett of Wexford youths thank you so much for joining us Thank you. This is Sports Beat Extra. Moving swiftly on some other sports news that hit us this week. I'm joined now by Killian Doyle. How's it going, Killian? Good. It feels weird to be back in here. <laughs> 
And We're in the news with- studio, by the way. I'm just out of my main studio. And it just feels weird because I used to be a newsman as well. So it feels weird to be back in here. But no, I'm good. And delighted to be talking about sports, of course. And First um, up is motorsports. Yeah, of course. Killian talking about Formula One. What is new? Um, big news um, during the week, of course. 2023, 20, uh, the F1 season kicks off um, on the 3rd of March. So little over a month to go which I'm really excited actually shorter because it's only 29 days it's not that long and you look so happy talking about it I'm so happy (laughs) it's like a child of Christmas Um, I've missed it so much as have other Formula 1 fans and motorsport fans of course Max Verstappen winning last year in Red Bull I kind of was a bit boring even though I'm a big Red Bull fan but they are in the news this week because um, they departed from Renault and Honda and said they were going to make their own engine but now it's come out that in 2026 they're set to announce a deal with um, one of the biggest US car giants ever Ford they're going to take on their engines in the sport which I'm kind of happy as well because I that's little... massive isn't it for Ford but also the fact that they've made the announcement yeah and of course we have it in our own region here um, Red Bull in WRC is um, Craig Breen Red Bull sponsors the car and they drive four Fiestas around so it's great so it's really you know taking the crossover from WRC to Formula 1 as well and I'm delighted because I have a little Ford Fiesta outside so I'm like Red Bull fan <laughs> at my Ford but yeah so what's said is Ford will join forces with the team from 2026 um, part funding the engine uh, that Red Bull are designing for the new regulations to be introduced that year so every couple of years they change regulations just to kind of keep I suppose teams closer together so like Mercedes are not running away with the title because they have more money so they kind of change the rules and like right everyone build your own engine from scratch keep competition tight basically what they're doing is Red Bull are building their own engine but just slapping the board logo on it or the Ford logo on it so um, but it'd be nice to see that crossover as well the agreement is expected to be officially unveiled at um the Red Bull launch now the season launch happened yesterday the car, car looks savage but I have seen very little news so maybe a little bit later today we will get it but Red Bull yeah they're continuing to use the Honda engines as I said in Formula 1 until 2025 and they declined to comment on that deal because it seemed to be going well they won uh, Max Verstappen in 2021 won his first ever world championship um, with a Honda engine and again last year they took their two drivers to a 1-2 in the championship and or was it 1-2 did they get it after I don't know but they got the drivers championship and they got the world championship as well which is exciting and of course Haas have unveiled their cars and we've got all the car date reveals to show us our lovely new liveries for the coming days so big ups in the Formula 1 you made so. the trip over to see Formula 1 live yeah, last year I made you? book tickets uh, I went to Bar- Barcelona, I have to say, one of the best and worst weekends of my life because it was a heat wave, the highest ever oh temperature God. recorded in that area. 37 degrees wow. it reached and I was there absolutely sweating but it was worth it I got to see Max he won the race it was brilliant you but, gone uh, again? yeah I don't know what race to go to. I might go to Spa which is later on in the year it's around my birthday in August so we'll see what way tickets are pricing because Drive to Survive obviously is coming on Netflix as well soon enough everyone's kind of a fan now so the hype will be up again the demand for tickets are just so much more than they used to be my friend went back in 2018 he said like barely anyone there but now everyone loves it which I'm kind of one of those fans as well I only followed in 2019 Sticking with the topic of tickets and people may or may not having them, Katie Taylor returning to Ireland on her first match on Irish soil. There's been a bit of controversy yes. about the venue. Over on Twitter, I saw, and it was out of nowhere really, because I kind of wasn't following it as much. And then I saw Katie Taylor through Arena, and then I saw people who was like, this is ridiculous. It should be Croke Park or the Aviva. Which I suppose when you look at Tyson Fury, he came back, I think it was... Not this Christmas, was it the last Christmas? I remember we stayed up to watch it, but I think it was in Wembley or one of the big stadiums Mm -hmm. in the UK. And that's what people are saying here now. It's Katie Taylor's, is it her first kind of national fight 
on home soil. Irish soil fight. It was due for it's due for May, and they had spoken about GAHQ to have it. So thousands of people could be there, at least eighty thousand people. But they're saying though the security costs are going to be over half a million, and that's why they're priced out of Crow Park. Oh yeah, but yet we can have Garrett Brooks singing American country songs for five nights in a row. Well, <laughs> we we can't, can't have a female woman in the industry of sport, one of our greatest athletes in it. I don't know, I think it's a bit ridiculous. But then again, you have to look at the logistics as well. Is there a demand for 80,000 people to go see Katie Taylor? I know a lot of people are saying big up the Irish and when she wins a fight, everyone's all over social media. Oh, you're doing us so proud. But who follows her on a day-to-day? But then again, Do you know that kind of way? I'd be great, Katie Taylor, but like I wouldn't be mad. If at tickets boxing. were landed on my desk, whether I had to pay for them or not, I'd absolutely go, go for the crack. Yeah. And like I said, it's a, it's a proud moment for Irish people. But Rihanna played in was it Punchestown, the Aviva Stadium, like a couple of years ago, and like that two three nights, eighty thousand tickets each night, and it was half empty nearly three nights yeah. in a row. And I suppose it, just a little background in case you're not following a rematch of her award-winning Madison Square Garden bout against Miss Serrano. Is that how you pronounce that? Serino? Serrano. Serrano, yeah. I've heard lots of different things. But anyway, that has been at the centre of tense negotiations for months. However, um, the data is from the Irish Independent. It can reveal a deal between the GA and boxing, as you said, promoter Eddie Hearn hangs in the balance over that 500k security bill needed to police the event. Is it surprising? Will it let fans down? I think it is. I think, you know, people will be disappointed. But the I three think arena is far too small for something like that. I think we can all agree. You'd want two or three nights of Katie Taylor in the three arena exactly. to keep people happy. And where? how would they... I was just uh, talking to one of the lads out in the office and I said, how will they... Will they have to take the stage back? Because that stage, I think, is permanent in the three arena. Mm-hmm. So they'd have to make a centre stage or a ring ha- stage. Yeah, they would definitely they have to. they do that for the likes of MMA, they would have the ring stage where people stand normally in the three arena. Yeah, but like, you can have like your WWEs, your SmackDown versus Raws in the three arena, but come on, it's Katie Taylor. She's one of her own. She's probably one of the the best boxers to come out of the country. Give her the biggest Throw stadium. Her in Croke Park or even in the Aviva. You know, give her a stadium. Pullman the- Park. Park Pullman of Queen. There we go. Wexford Park. Plenty of choices. Tell you, Dr. Cullen Park down in Carlow will have her. <laughs> <laughs> Killian Doyle, thank you so much no for problem, that quick Jolene. roundup. That's all from this week's Sports Beat Extra. I'm Jolene Murphy. Up next, Megan is in with Beat Anthems. This is Sports Beat Extra.